Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you bi-weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from virtual CFOs, CPAs, and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you the results you need both in business and building the life you deserve. Thank you for joining us for episode 125 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, brought to you by PJS and Co. CPAs. I'm your host, Amanda Mulcahy, and today we are pleased to welcome a best-selling author, speaker, and course creator. As a former MIT and John Hopkins Institute researcher turned organizational strategic development consultant, he's the guy CEOs bring in when all the experts fail. Please join me in welcoming Don Schminka. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I've listened again to a bunch of your podcasts and you know I have your story and your about me and you have a very very interesting later high school year it seems like <laughs> <laughs> that kind of laid the foundation possibly to where you're at now and I was hoping you can just tell our listeners a little bit about that backstory kind of you know where you came from and and what got you into doing you know, all the science and this leadership and all of this that you're doing now. You mean when the police told me I had to finish high school? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I forgot to attend my senior year. And so um, <laughs> they, made, they made me an ultimatum that I either had two months to finish the entire year or I had to repeat it. So I thought, well, now I'm motivated. And it was great. I mean, the, the teachers are very supportive and everybody rallied and, uh, Yes, I passed. And, um, and then I, that's how I got out. So I wasn't really probably nominated for most likely to succeed <laughs> in my class. Uh, yeah, that's what happened with that. Awesome. Now that you told us a little bit about your backstory, I know some of your books, but also after listening to your podcast and reading about you, I know that you traveled a lot, it seems like. You're very much from that scientist, science background, or even, I guess, in your current state right now. But it looks like you love traveling to remote civilizations and learning about the human species and like the biology and how that pertains to leadership. So tell us a little bit more about that, like your perspective on how you correlate those two. When I got my act together and um, through a series of uh, things, people noticed something about me when I was in a community college and that's how I got into MIT. That opened up uh, possibilities for looking at different areas of uh, research and development. So I ended up spending time uh, automating the Harvard-MIT biomedical lab. So I got really interested in our species and, and how it and how it developed and, and what it was all about. And then I, I had some really great anthropologists. I mean, I was just very fortunate to have a lot of brilliant people around mm -hmm. me that were willing to help me. So when I went to Hopkins to do my graduate work and ended up teaching there. I, that's when I got attached to the grad school at um, and the, the MBA, I guess, executive education program at the time. And um, a lot of executives were complaining about the failure rates of management theory. And, you know, there were a lot of entrepreneurs that were saying, you know, these these books are great, but by implementation, <laughs> rates suck. <laughs> so I, I that's what took me on the journey to look at how we evolved and our genetics and could some of that be contributing to all this because a lot of the theories and management styles that were in a lot of the latest books weren't new i mean you would go back over thousands of years and you would see sort of the same types of patterns 
And uh, that's when I began traveling to remote civilizations, lost civilizations, or investigating ancient civilizations to look to see whether these behaviors were consistent and what was the genetic drivers. So, of course, I got a lot of help from the medical community. And then we began applying it in companies. And that's when company performance took off beyond what they had been doing. So, I mean, they, because a lot of them had gone through a number of change programs, leadership development programs, strategy programs, but they weren't achieving, you know, the, the, the pace of uh, growth and execution that they wanted. So when we came in and things changed, so I ended up, I left Hopkins, started funding my own research. And then I just kept training CEOs and implementing and implementing this. Somebody told me the other day, I've trained over 30,000 CEOs. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. It's like, but you're getting old, Don, and you've been doing this for 30 years. So, <laughs> I know. That was the number I pulled, I think. It said 30,000 CEOs. Because I remember hearing a podcast that you had talked in. It was like 7,000, and then it was like 10,000 in 2021. <laughs> so you've really been putting some work in these past two years. <laughs> I know what happened is people started saying, well, let's recalculate that. And they kept coming up with newer and newer. Because what happened... I wasn't really paying attention, but um, like one CEO group that hires me a lot, and um, I've been doing 60 or 70 of their groups over, I don't know, 30 years. So you start adding up just that one group. You know, I probably was doing, I don't know, maybe 20, 25,000, but they said you got all these conferences and these other CEO groups. So it's probably more than 30,000. So let's just stop counting. Let's just stop counting, which is 30 is good. We'll stay with that. Um, but what it allowed me to do is these groups gave, they were great research sources. I mean, the working with these CEOs and having them uh, uh, just uh, participate with me in exploring these ideas and being really open to learning about new ways of, of driving their companies forward was it was refreshing it was validating and i learned a lot because when it, when i made mistakes or if there were ideas that look good in in one country or, or one millennium maybe it didn't <laughs> translate well you know they helped me you know refine and um so it was, it was really beneficial so i acknowledge all the thousands of ceos that have just been a part of my life yeah but you've come across some some crazy things with a bunch of those ceos I had heard you talk a little bit about shifting beliefs. And so I was wondering, like, how do these experiences from like traveling and from being an explorer and from being a scientist, basically, and from, you know, the biology, how do you think they impact you teaching leadership to CEOs and, you know, having them shift their beliefs? Because a lot of CEOs, I would say, aren't extremely young. And sometimes it's a little harder to maybe, what is it, teach an old dog new tricks, so to say. So how are you able to? you know, implement these changes with these CEOs into the leadership mindset? Uh, we use facts and data. I mean, it's, 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 it's more of a, an academic query into reality and then unhooking like what was maybe keeping things that were stuck because the, a, a lot of times we're brought in for any number of reasons. It's either to increase sales or market penetration or finding their competitive advantage again maybe it's internal stuff like culture or infighting or, you know, things not getting done fast enough, you know, the execution of strategy being, you know, just lethargic. And so in that is something else going on. So what we want to do is take a look at like what's really stopping it from happening. And as you dig down in, into it, it, it starts becoming obvious and 
And a CEO, when they start asking different questions and or we start leading them through the discovery, they begin to realize, like, oh, wow, maybe maybe I had something to do with this. Or, <laughs> or maybe I was missing this part here. And, and it all comes down to the behaviors were not aligned. Every, and when I do these, my, my workshops, when I do this as, uh, like sometimes I'll, I'll do ed- educational workshops inside a corporation, or I'll do it with maybe 15 CEOs from different companies in a room. But I like to do the same thing, which is ask them, you know, what their main issues are. And we get all that on, out on the table. But then I go back later and say, well, how many of these are because of humans? <laughs> it's like all of them, right? And then I'm like, well, what is it about humans that cause it? And then as we dig down, it's because they, the decisiveness wasn't there. You know, it was the behavior wasn't there. And so... So we then look at what what drives that, what drives that, what drives behavior and, and decisive human decisiveness, and it comes back to beliefs, and that's when we begin to realize, wow, maybe what you're not doing as a leader is aligning the beliefs of your people, and when you look at powerful civilizations or companies, uh, sometimes startups that people think they'll never make it, they end up dominating their industry, mm-hmm. very aligned how they were going to win and how they were going to do it and uh, and what it all meant. And so that alignment is about aligning the beliefs of people. So from it, it's really hard for any executive to ignore the reality of that. And so that's, that's how we get people to shift is we want to go and look at the actual data and then present not just some theories, but some relevant facts mm-hmm. and a lot of our problems in leadership. We're not aligning the beliefs of the people that we want mm-hmm. to execute what we're doing. Would you say that those are traits that people are born with, like because of your biology and like having the science and data? Like as you're talking with these CEOs, if it's not like traits I think they were born with, do they usually get weeded out in the process? Well, some things are are, are genetic. I mean, we, we have instinctive impulses that have been programmed into us. It's kind of both. I mean, in, in one mm-hmm. sense, we're a grouping species, so we we like to be tribal. You know, we like to have symbols and rituals and magic. When we teach CEOs and executive teams how to do that, all of a sudden, all their failed culture programs come alive. In other words, things get fixed because we're triggering what's already there. So that's sort of in our cellular biology. And a lot of it is can be measured in a number of ways medically. And, and you read it in the papers now, people who have loneliness tend to have higher issues uh, with health. Uh, looking at, you know, POWs that die for no medical reason. I mean, it's there's something about this not being a part of or giving up or not being connected. So it becomes really powerful, which helps, I mean, I think expose another myth, which is we think we got to get rid of drama in our companies, have drama vacuum. That's, that's pathological. We want to give them drama, but we want to give them your drama. And that's where the aligning of their beliefs around your drama, the drama for what does winning mean? What's our strategy? Where are we going as a company? And how do we outmaneuver the forces out there to win? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so that's what leaders should be focusing on. So in some one sense, it's, it's genetic. It's we'd like doing mm-hmm. it. On the yeah. other, on the other hand, a lot of it can be nurtured in a way, right? Because people have ways to, um, you know, they may not have known some of these. I mean, cer- certain leaders, and this is a great argument, I think leadership is essentially 
born, not nurtured. You know, a leader is, you know, and it's, it's a complex question. So I'm glad you asked <laughs> levels of leadership. Uh, Dr. Elliot Jacks did a lot of work in the psychological theory of complex thinking. So people should be able to lead at every level of complexity, but they have their own level of complexity and they can't, whatever mm -hmm. level they're in, they, they should be there and they'll work well, but you'd rise them above that. And now you promoted someone into an area that they just, they can't get. They, they're very disruptive and followers don't want to follow them. So without getting too complicated, because I know we only have a little bit of time here, there are elements that are ingrained in us in, in our biology, but you can also train part of what we're doing to okay. become better as leaders as well. And so there's a lot of leadership development around people being self-aware being more aware of how you're thinking and how that's driving your behavior and what power do you have in choosing your thoughts, choosing your beliefs. And so that can be trained and developed. And I'm, I'm doing some work with the Pacific Institute, Institute now and who Lou Tice started this movement like 50 years ago on changing your thoughts, you change your behavior. So a lot of that is, is I think, part of our own personal development side. So it's, so it's kind of like both. Yeah, I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. No, I think that's a wonderful answer. I think that kind of shows people, because sometimes I think people will use that as an excuse, right? I wasn't born with that trait. I wasn't born that way. And it's like, no, you can maybe, you know, build off of what you currently have and, mm -hmm. and become a better leader, be, you know, develop yourself in that professional way. So switching to something a little different kind of here. Um, I love your, your, you know, your dragon problems, I believe is what you call, you know, you have to die to live almost type thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so it reminds me of this quote that I heard you say a couple of times and it was, I'm going to butcher it. You say it better, but it was kind of like, if you want to test something, you know, use your most cynical and sarcastic people to, to do it. <laughs> and so <laughs> I kind of like your, you know, your sense of humor there with that. And as far as these dragon problems, you know, you must die to live. So I just kind of want to share that with our listeners, if you could, you know, your whole perspective around that. Oh, yeah, it was a, that was an interesting project because I was getting into doing some cinematographic filming for um, some training because I developed this thing called Becoming Samurai, which was my, my first book back in the 90s uh, on uh, how the samurai trained their leaders 700 years ago. And Oxford University was very, very, um, I was fortunate to get permission uh, from them to uh, have the copyright for that. But the dragons thing came out of work I was doing with Mark Levy, who um, Mark is like, he, have you heard of Simon Sinek and the start with why and all that um, movement? Yeah, he, it became a very, a very uh, a big leadership movement out there around when well, we got to start with why. But I was, well, anyway, Mark Levy was his coach. So he helped Mark, I mean, uh, Mark helped uh, Simon find his wife. So I said, wait, okay, <laughs> find mine. Because that's funny projects going on. And we started getting into the samurai stuff. And so Mark said, um, you know, I think for you, I'm, I'm hearing something about dragons. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so he started me in this venture of saying, you know what? People have problems in life and a lot of them can be fixed with, with standard ways. But there are these dragon problems that are just lingering and they are, oh, they're just dangerous and they're burning us and they're, you know, we can't get away. So your stuff that you're doing with, CEO transformation can be used in that manner. And I thought, 
that's interesting. So I was, it was during COVID and I had my studio <laughs> set up. So I, I started this program called, uh, you know, uh, the whole thing around how to slay dragons. It's still out there. It was, it was kind of an experiment, but people, people loved it. And it just took, it just took a lot of the samurai and a lot of the, some of the Buddhist teachings and a lot of modern psychology and just put it together that, you know, some of these, these pains we're feeling are from our attachments. And until we detach, we don't have freedom. And so I took that detachment element and, and created a metaphor around dragons for it. And so we started identifying what are the top dragons, you know, and then how do you slay that dragon, like break the chain and then become free. And then how do you give back to the world? So it was kind of a very, I should write a book on this really. It was the, so I thank him for turning me onto that. So that's where that came from. Mm-mm. Yeah. I had read about it. Well, I don't know if it's something you wrote or if I was listening to it, but it was, yeah, you know, how to learn how to die properly basically is what you had said. And I was like, oh, that's an awesome way to put it because so many people always refer to it. I guess maybe in a similar context of like uh, killing your demons or whatever, but I just like the the version um, slaying your dragons. That's, I like that better. (laughs) Yeah, it was uh... And we do this on executive teams. So it wasn't like uh, some new theory. We've been for 20 years teaching executive teams how to die properly, you know, because once we, once we transform how they do strategic planning in a whole new way based on intuition and outmaneuvering, then the whole point comes to, well, can we execute this new mm-hmm. strategy? And that's where we run up into those old behaviors you were discussing earlier, like that might've been lingering there and how do we, how do we get rid of them? And it's really, it's really an act of of killing the beliefs, the old beliefs that you had, that you thought were real. And, and so in a sense, dying to those beliefs, in other words, feeling Mm -hmm. like causing, causing, causing a suicide. I know it sounds politically incorrect. I was committing suicide to those beliefs that stop you. And in life, you know, what is it in my life that has to die in order to free me to move on? So applied in a corporate setting, this opens up a whole very powerful uh, domain for conversation. And it's not an easy one. I mean, it's uh, the old beliefs don't want to die. So we teach executive teams how to, how to slay those old beliefs and give birth to the new ones. It's uh, it can be painful. People think like, Oh, Team building is really fun and motivational. I know it sucks. I mean, <laughs> you know, growth and enlightenment is probably one of the most painful journeys. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. So it's so funny. Growing up, like I was a cheerleader and I was involved in all these things and I was super social in my personal life, like so social. And then when it came to work, I was just like strict. Like I was there to work and that was it. Like I was I was happy. I loved doing it, but I had gotten feedback in like my early twenties about how people would say that I'm so awesome to hang out with in my personal life, but at work, I'm just not like, no one wants to be around me at work. And then, so, um, in like my thirties or so I've transitioned to now I'm like the opposite now, you know, at social life, I've become horrible at my social life, but at work, you know, being social at work, it's awesome. I can do it. Um, so I'm hoping to one day like merge these together because it's getting a little difficult for me here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is hard. I've heard a blog, I'm starting to get into blogging finally because people were like, Don, you got to put this stuff out there. So I started a myth busting blog where I'm busting myths of what we think is true. Oh, nice. And one of those, uh, I started with a butterfly effect and that took off. And I'm familiar with that, but. Didn't I am, um, yeah. There were a lot of uh, consultants. Oh, yeah. The small changes you make will be 
ma- major impact later on somewhere else. And, and so I went to, to study the scientists that came up with this thing and it was, they were saying it wrong. It's like, he didn't think the butterfly effect would happen. He was using it as an example of, we really don't know. And it started a branch of mathematics called chaos theory, which is now used in like weather predictions and things of that nature. So, uh, I exactly like exposed this myth. And then somebody said, well, what, what is it about? We all want to be the lead dog. So I thought, that's interesting. So I went back and I started, um, like I'd run dog teams. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that a lot of these consultants and speaker n- speakers never never ran a dog sled team but they're talking about being the lead dog like they know <laughs> what it is so, <laughs> so i dug into that and it's like man the lead dog sucks i mean yeah. it's the toughest job and then I, you know, I use stories about how we almost flipped a you know tipped a sled and the lead dogs were having a hard time pulling everybody together so um <laughs> yes yeah, so i put that out there it's been a lot of fun i mean as, as a scientist and a teacher i just want to um try to educate and try to, uh, you know, expand our minds a bit. And I'm fortunate to have great people around me to help me, you know, expand my mind and, and pass that along. So it's been a wonderful journey, but, um, there's so many more products. I have a new book coming out this fall called winners and losers, and it's for entrepreneurs. I don't know how many of your audience are entrepreneurs, but I just kept getting hit with all this stuff around entrepreneurship. And so I went to expose the myths of it. And it's been, so some of these stories I just mentioned are actually in the book, but the point is, I think as leaders coming back to your, your, what we talked about earlier, I think we all, we all have to constantly die for something. In other words, die for something that there's a cause we believe in, but also let die those things that are holding us back. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they helped us get here, but now they're a myth. Now they're, mm-hmm. now they're not really uh, useful. So um, people say, well, Don, I mean, they think I'm talking about physical death and yeah, I'm someday that's going to be <laughs> something I'm going to do. Um, but before then it's like, I'm, you know, I, I could die a hundred times a day, you know, because I, I'm facing a belief I thought was true and it's not mm-hmm. something that I thought was uh, happening and it wasn't really happening. And I think that if we can do that as leaders, it really makes us more powerful because we can emerge to, I guess, higher forms of reality and, and impact with people. Awesome. So you do have two books out, I think High Altitude Leadership and then Code of the Executive. Yes. Um, and so you have a new one coming out and it sounds like you have a blog. So can you let our listeners know like where to find all this great information at? Oh, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's Saga Leadership. I, I stole it from the Vikings, another <laughs> area of research. <laughs> S-A-G-A, SagaLeadership.com. And, um, and you'll see in the, in the menu bar um, a blog. And I'm going to try to um, keep, keep uh, you know, the, the new books and research we have coming out. I'm going to try to keep it there as well. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we're sort of focusing on that. Perfect, perfect. And then I will link to all of that in the show notes. That way our listeners can go ahead and go to sagaleadership.com. I'll get that in the show notes. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to leave our listeners with, Don? I mean, you've had a ton of great information. Um, but is there, you know, kind of like your parting words today, I suppose? Keep making mistakes. Because <laughs> 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 uh, what I learned in doing the research for this book is like the great leaders and entrepreneurs, when you really peel back their history, it's nothing that they're writing about, that other authors are writing about when they look at these people. It's really a history of learning from their mistakes. It's really, so 
and my new motto for me is, God, I, I have so many more mistakes to make and so little time left. <laughs> so, yeah, keep learning, keep making mistakes and growing. Perfect. That's awesome. That's a really good one. So I want to thank you for joining us today, Don. And I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us as well and keep that momentum going. And we will see you all next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.